friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your place to learn how to run your IT business and support your clients better, smarter, and faster. This is Wednesday evening, the live show, and it is the same week as DattoCon in Miami, and as you can see, I'm not there. I am here at my office, and there's a couple of good reasons for that, so I'll share those with you in just a moment. I want to go ahead and introduce our guest here. Our guest was previously on the show back on episode 563, Grace Judson, the Leadership Geek. Grace, how are you? That's me. I'm good. How are you? I'm obviously not in Miami either. <laughs> no, you are, you are not, or else we'd be having, uh, well, I don't know what type of time we'd be having, but there'll probably be a drink. I'm sure they're having a great time. They are. They are. So this is part two of your episode. And I actually have some questions that previous uh, listeners uh, posed to me before tonight's show. So we'll get to those and we'll continue our conversation. Uh, I also should let people know that not only did I not attend DattoCon, and here's why I didn't attend, folks. Let me let me be a little honest and transparent with you. Uh, the first reason is I didn't get a free ticket. That's probably the big thing. It's expensive to go to that one. Um, but I also didn't really ask for one. I didn't really try that hard. And there's a couple of different reasons. But the bottom line is that was the first reason. The second reason is that I'm actually in the middle of trying to land a big fish client for me. And now they're not huge. I'm not talking, you know, 10 grand a month in recurring revenue, but it's up there. And so it's a new client who just over two years ago when I met them said that they were basically spending nothing for tech support with their current managed service provider at the time, I should say. And here we are two years later, and we are about ready to sign a deal that's going to be probably eight grand a month in recurring revenue. And I find that pretty significant for somebody who told me two years ago, eh, we don't need that. So we're in the middle of, thank you. So we're in the middle of doing that. I actually had a a major installation that uh, was with them this week. They, it's an event services company and they actually have I don't know, four or five different components. They have a events department. They have a floor department. They have a production department. They have a, a management or um, manpower division. Uh, they have a graphics division and they install these big, huge format printers. We're talking, you know, anywhere from 30, 40, 50 grand for these printers. So HP was there this week doing an installation. They had two techs doing that. And, of course, I had to put it on the network, do a bunch of stuff with them. So I figured I need to be there for that and work on this client and get them to sign on the dotted line, which I was told by the owner we're going to sign. And I actually gave them two options. And he goes, I think the second option is actually better for us because that option is going to basically have a secondary tech be involved as well. Uh, and be on site from time to time, which they think they need. So that's it. I also may not be at the ASCII Cup later this month, and I've got another project that's happening that week. I've got my my big client that you all love that I usually have the stories of Junior about. We are doing a huge server migration 
a database migration. We're going from two SQL servers to one. We're moving two offices to be completely remote. So we've got two virtual remote servers going in. We're also, uh, let's see, we're doing that. We're doing the SQL server. We're doing the domain controller. We're transferring 55 people. We are, oh, we're installing TrueGrid to make them do a secure remote access. We're upgrading their Time Matters database, the Juris database, which is the billing portion of that. I know that sounds like a lot, but that's also happening. And in some time during all that project, I have to make it home to see my mom because this is her birthday month. <laughs> and so she wants the family to go up and take her out to dinner. So I've got to find. I should think. I, I should think you better be there. <laughs> I should go do that. Um, so that is it. Well, uh, let us continue on as I uh, talked about Grace and what we're going to be doing here uh, on the IT Business Podcast, presented by NetAlly. I'll go ahead and get that out the way because I used my net ally tools a lot. So I want to give them a shout out and thank them for their support of the show. Uh, Grace, let's, um, before we do a recap of what we talked about, God, was it a week ago? Uh, let's give our listeners and viewers just a tad bit more of an explanation of who you are and what your background is. I, I know I dubbed you leadership geek. Uh, obviously we talked about, you know, trying to solve the people problems with tech projects. But tell us a little bit more about how you got started and why you chose this. Uh, well, I, you kindly picked up my self-proclamation of being a leadership geek. So <laughs> um, I grew up in tech. I was a software developer back when they still called us programmers. I have now dated myself. Um, I did a lot of work in finance, uh, banking, and reinsurance, and wrote some systems that were took quite a bit of time, like a year plus, to design and build. And I will say, patting myself on the back, that there were those who said that that one particular system couldn't be done. It was impossible to code what, uh, what was deemed as very complex business decision and business analysis process. Um, and then I went on to be project manager, program manager. I did some consulting work with Hewlett Packard back in the day. And ultimately, when you do all these kinds of projects, as I'm sure you and your listeners and viewers are all very well aware, you end up bumping into things where the people, there may not be the best communication in the world. Um, which is typically not the responsibility of the people that might be listening here today or in the future, but the people that are impacted, the various stakeholders that are impacted by what is happening on the tech side aren't always exactly clear on what's going on, how it impacts them, what's in it for them, what the risks might be for them. Um, and that's where, the people side of technology implementations comes into play because I really began to see in the work that I was doing how important it was to involve all stakeholders um, at all levels right from the start so that you don't run into the problems that can come up when people start resisting what's going on or, or not understanding it adequately. So it sounds like there was a point in time where you went from 
wanting to actually manage the people to actually teaching people how to manage people. Did I say that correctly? <laughs> I love teaching. I always have. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, and when I, when I led teams, I would work with them to help them understand uh, how to, how to deal with some of these issues. Um, I don't want to say how to deal with the people, but how to deal with the issues that would, that would sometimes come up. It's tricky because people who are good at tech and who really enjoy the technology often, you know, it's a, it's a stereotype, right? They're often not really as good at understanding, empathizing what are typically called soft skills, which is not a term I like, but it's a term people are familiar with. And so it can be tricky for them. Plus, I mean, technology project managers, you know, as well as I do, you've got more than enough on your plate. I mean, you just described that whole server migration thing. That's a lot to do without having to deal with people's anxieties and concerns on top of it. Right. Well, I mean, you started to hit on something where most technicians, techies, they're not people friendly, if that's a word I can say positively. (laughs) You know, because, you know, you said it. I was very uh, carefully trying not to say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'm not going to be, I can't be canceled. I got like two people watching. <laughs> so, but most techs like the hardware or they're deep into programming, like you said. And those are types of things that, for the most part, don't have to deal with people a lot. So, as people move up the ranks, like you did, and you actually start to have to manage people, it is something that's different, usually a new skill that has to be learned or or honed uh, to some degree. So it's not easy for a lot of us to to move into that. Now, most of the people that listen to this show are either IT business owners or they have grown up in the ranks of growing their business and they're starting to get to the point where they're managing people, managing other technicians mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the biggest part is managing our clients as well. Right. And those are two kind of different skill sets, aren't they? They're, I'll call them kissing cousins, if you will. Okay. They're, they're related, but they are different because there's a different impact in each case. Um, when you have people reporting to you, it's important to understand who they are and what motivates them. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty much a given. We understand, we know that, but when you're dealing with clients um, and you have your people going out to work with clients or you're going out to work with clients, there's a different politic, there's a different political situation at play, right? There are different dynamics at play because it's a client. It's trickier because you can't, you know, tell them what to do in the same way you might be able to tell your employee what to do. So there, there is a different, uh, there is definitely a different dynamic. But to some degree, we might have to tell them, for instance, my project that I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. having to explain to them what is involved with right. that type of project. Now, obviously the bigger the project, and we talked about this the last time, the bigger the project, the more things you have to worry about. And when you've got to, you know, do if you're doing one server migration, it's probably not a huge deal. You take them down for a day or so, and usually it's over a weekend. 
Uh, this project, they may be down three days, possibly four, depending on how early we can start on Friday. We've already told them, you know, you might still be down Monday because the maintenance on that SQL database. Mm-hmm. When I talked to the SQL gurus this morning, in this, you know, a full week in preparation of this, when they asked, oh, how big is the database? And I showed them and they're like, oh my. <laughs> That's never something you want to hear in that phrase. No, that, uh, but then going, but then going back to the client and you know setting their expectations of, yeah. you know what's going to happen. And we were talking before the show. One of the questions that came up from that client was, "Can we keep the old servers up while we migrate to the new ones, just in case?" And we had to say, no, you're not understanding. We are, we are moving and converting and cleaning up your database to new servers. So we can't have yeah. you working on it while we're doing that. Right. Right. Um, because then, yeah, then you get out of sync and all kinds of bad things. Happen. Right. So yeah. it was interesting. Yeah. And, and that's hard because tech, non-technical people only have a very, typically only have a very, general understanding of what it all means. So it's hard for them. And they're looking at, you know, whenever there is a change involved, the people who are impacted by it are immediately thinking about, well, what is going to happen to me? I mean, we always think about ourselves first, right? It's human nature, nothing wrong with that. But they're thinking, what is going to happen to me? How am I going to deal with this? And if they have people who are expecting them to do certain things or to be able to, you know, answer certain questions and you're telling them, uh, sorry, but you may not be able to, that's a real challenge for them that leaves them with a whole bucket of anxiety to deal with about it. Now, okay, well, how am I going to deal with this? Right. Now in your teachings or in your uh, coaching, do you have to deal with, let's say, a person like me in teaching me how to communicate to those non-technical people? I have, there are some really lovely and fairly simple tools uh, that I talk about. Um, I think one of the real, the, the most important thing, and I'm actually, I think I mentioned this when we talked the other day on the podcast. I'm, I am currently doing research for a book on change and how to manage the people side of change. And one of the things that I keep coming back to, and we talked a lot about this uh, when we talked before, is the importance of communication at all levels. And I have come to the conclusion that communication is just not an adequate word. And I'm trying to figure out what the right word is. I mean, it could be dialogue, it could be conversation, but it needs to be in all directions. So you, as a service provider, have a certain level of challenge, obviously, because you don't necessarily have access to all the people who are impacted by the change that you are causing or managing. The challenge lies in how then do you communicate with the people you do have access to to help them understand then how they need to communicate on to the to the rest of the stakeholder community. 
Does that answer your question? It does. And we talked, we did talk about that a little before because we talked about, in, in my case, the one client where I actually right. draft the emails for them to send out yep. to their staff, which yep. is a new practice for me. I, I just recently started doing that because I found it was so much easier than to deal with the RAF later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that we have to do that would not necessarily be our preference or would not typically be part of, let's say, a statement of work. But because of the way things don't go well, if we don't do them, it ends up being part of a skill set that we can then develop. And, and ultimately, you know, I don't know if you would want to or not, but it could ultimately be a value add for other clients. All right. I want to go back to the word you use that you said you don't like because we're kind of talking about them. Soft skills. Mm-hmm. Why don't you like that word? Um, it typically, historically, has been uh, devalued as oh, it's you know, it's just the warm and fuzzy, and we don't really need to do that. We just need to get people to do what they need to do. Mm. Um, and they're not soft. They're hard to do. In some ways, these so-called soft skills are actually more difficult to learn and master than the hard technical skills. I mean, you know what to do to do a server migration, but do you know what to do when a client is, you know, resisting or saying, no, we can't do that. We have to have access or, you know, there, it, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of, you know, people sometimes ask me questions in some of the workshops that I lead. And I will often start out by saying, well, it depends. And that's fuzzy, which you could call soft. But the reason it's difficult, I'll say rather than hard, is because it does depend and it is situational. And you do have to be able to read the temperature of the people or person that you're talking to. And there's no step-by-step way to do that. There are skills that you can learn and that I do teach to understand the best ways of getting at where that person is at. And I find that technical people in particular really appreciate the fact that a lot of those skills are related to Hard science, if you will, neuroscience. There are neuroscientific reasons why and how people react. And that can help um, shift the, the, I don't know, the focus maybe from, oh, now I got to deal with this person. I got to show empathy and I've got to, you know, but what I really want to be doing is getting this blasted SQL server moved over, you know? And right. so that's, I, somebody wants, um, translated soft skills for me to a term I like better, which is workplace essential skills. Okay. For those of you listening, the quiet is me writing workplace (laughs) essential skills. And I think, you know, it's true. We do need to know how to interact effectively with other people. No matter how much we may like to keep our heads buried in the in the hardware or the programming, 
the software development, there are still people that need to be understood and interacted with. Um, and there are, even in the smallest of companies, if you've got two people in a company, you're going to have some impact of workplace politics. It's, it's inevitable. Right. Now, this goes back to a, something you mentioned where, you know, you, I can't remember if I'm remembering it correctly, but I think you said everyone's a leader. Mm-hmm. And essentially, in, in, in our type of industry, if we are, you know, selling a client, if we are leading a project, uh, if, we, if we're doing a simple repair, we mm-hmm. are in a sense having to be a leader in that time from the way that you described it, explaining to them what it is we're doing, explaining to them how this is going to benefit them, how things will will be better in the end once we're done. Right. Um, but I'm going to now switch to, we did, we did get a question on, we have a few people listening and I, I hope that uh, some of you, if you are listening to us and you want to ask a question, throw it in the chat. We'll get to it a little bit later, but I got a, uh, a question from somebody who listened to the last show and I tried to get more clarification on the question. So here's the question. What advice do you have for managed service providers who are struggling to get buy-in from their clients or stakeholders. And I know that we sort of talked about that last time, but to get Mm -hmm. more specific, I'll use a little bit from my situation where, you know, I've got this big project and I already know that, you know, some people are like, I can't be down all weekend. I've got to have access. We've got trial on Monday, blah, blah, blah. And so there's these, these caveats that they want to put in these exceptions Mm -hmm. that certain people want to have. So there's not a hundred percent buy-in there, but from a general perspective, based on what I've just said, how would you advise those of us in our industry that, you know, we always are running up against clients that just simply don't want to do it. (laughs) Well, I guess part of my question then would be, well, why did they hire you? (laughs) <laughs> it's funny. You, you, well, that's a good question because I think what they do is they hire us to solve a problem, but they think the problem is 15 minutes. Right. So really this question then goes way back to how do you set expectations when you sell the project or when you, when you cl- close the deal with the client and I'm not, going to even begin to suggest how to set expectations with a, in, in terms of a proposal or a contract, because that's way outside my area of expertise. Um, having said that, I will say that I personally find it very helpful to right up front in the proposal include expectations, both of, in terms of what I expect from the client and what the client can expect from me. And I find that that does help the more clear you are up front. But again, that is great for anybody who has seen the proposal but or the contract. But if you're now, as undoubtedly you are, dealing with people who have not seen the actual statement of work of the proposal, they just know you're coming in and disrupting their life. And to some extent, I'm really thinking totally off the top of my head here, so one of the things that I would probably put in that 
statement of work in terms of expectations is that the client is responsible for managing stakeholder expectations in terms of downtime and other impact to their workday. But clearly that has to happen up front and we're now downstream of that and trying to figure out how to handle what's what uh, what you're dealing with. And sometimes I think I mentioned this. Uh, yeah, I know I did because I saw it in your show notes from the from our previous conversation. There is a book that, as I said, then I recommend to everyone on the planet, which is Never Split the Difference, uh, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It by Christopher Voss. He was the lead international hostage negotiator for the FBI. And he has some, there's some phenomenal stories in the book. I mean, it's worth reading just for the stories of true stories of things that he was involved in. But one of the things he talks about is what's called the no oriented question. So if you have somebody coming to you and saying, well, I have to have access, I've got X, Y, Z going on, you can't take it down over the weekend, can't you give me access? There is a possibility in there for a no-oriented question that would be somewhere along the lines of, you know, maybe I'm crazy to think this, but we've got a deadline on getting this moved over. And it is just, you know, I don't think, think you probably don't want this to end up corrupting your database. Am I, am I nuts to be thinking that that would probably be a bad idea? Now, again, I'm riffing off the top of my head and what I generally advise clients to do when they're looking at no oriented questions is to really sit down and think about what would be the best way to ask. Why they're cool is that when somebody is in resistance mode and pushing back on you, they don't want to say yes. They are invested in saying no. So if you give them a reason to say no, it is actually a yes if you flip it around to what they want, or I'm sorry, to what you want. You know, am I crazy to think that you probably don't want your database corrupted? Oh, no, of course we don't want the database corrupted. Okay, I got to take it down. You can't have access. Let me let me ask a question here because I didn't ask it last time. Okay, but I'm going to ask it this time. You you've made the comment that people want to say no. Mm-hmm. Where does that line of thinking come from? That their first inclination is to always say no. Is it because they're expecting you? to ask them something else and they 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 want to say no to resist because that's yes. where they, they want to stand for them and say no, no, no. But then right. if you switch it around on them, their no is really a yes. Right. Exactly. Okay. They're in resistance mode, which means they are not wanting to give you that yes, okay, you can take the system down, the database is down for um, for the weekend. But if you give them the opportunity, again, I mean, I rambled with that, with that no-oriented question. There are absolutely ways of making it cleaner. Um, you know, and I think I, I, I did give you a cleaner one in the end. It's like, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm out of line to think that you probably don't want your database corrupted. 
But if you have access to it while we're working on it, that's what's going to happen. Am I out of line to think that that would be a bad idea? All right. I don't know. It's, this is one of those things. This is out of Voss's book, and it's part of what he teaches also in his classes and his workshops, and he has a website and all of that. Um, it's one of those things that feels really bizarre when you think about it. But if you try it, if you play with it, I always recommend to clients play with this when you um, in low stakes situations, play with it with, you know, your your family, your teenagers, <laughs> teenagers love to say no. Right. Um, play with it with your spouse. Uh, just try it out in different situations and you'll start to see how it works and how to make it work better. So is a no oriented question better than a choice? So here's an example. So at our SQL guru meeting this morning, one of the questions that the client asked, because the the biggest part of the project is going to be the maintenance on the database, Uh which could run two full days. And the client asked, well, can we do that another time? My first response is, okay, we could do that, but would you rather be down one weekend or two? That, you know, here is where I'm going to say it's situational. Okay. And if you have that option to offer them, go for it. Because actually people like to shop. You know, they like to have choices because then they feel like they have options. They feel like they're making smart decisions, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, if you have that kind of wiggle room in the situation, by all means, give them give them a choice. The other thing, too, is that you have a relationship with these people at this point. So, you know, the kinds of ways that they're going to push back on you and and how you've worked with them in the past on things. This is why I say it's all such a gray area. Right. I wish I could give you a, you know, definitive answer, but you know these people. I don't. What was their answer? And what was, which one did they go for? <laughs> well, of course, he's like, he's like, oh, I don't know if I could, I could do a second weekend. <laughs> so. There you go. Then, you, then you're, you're good. I yeah. mean, you've now gotten agreement on the one, on the one weekend. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I didn't even have to go into, well, it's going to cost you twice as much to, <laughs> You know, to have us come back and do this. So right. interesting. Right. So normally I would try to ask you a question where, you know, if you could give us an example from your background and your clientele without, you know, spilling the beans of a situation that, you know, maybe, you know, a project that got derailed that you were able to help get back on track and kind of give mm-hmm. us an idea, but we kind of did that, but do you have something in mind? I can certainly talk about one of my favorite projects, which didn't exactly get derailed, but it sure could have. I think um, this was back when I was still uh, working as an employee in corporate. And I had been given the responsibility for, a cross-departmental communication project. It had some technology involved because of how we were going to implement the kinds of communication. And the idea was to not break down silos, but to enable conversations between 
the developers, the customer support people, and the people who were responsible, the consulting division who was responsible for implementing the tool that we sold at our clients. And there was very good reason for creating better communication between these three um, silos. But the leaders of the three silos were not on board with it. And the CEO was saying, okay, we're going to do this. And everybody in the meeting was like, oh, yeah, that's great. I think this is a good idea. We need to do this. We need to have everybody talking to each other because then the developers will know what the clients are doing and, the, and, and so on and so on. And you walk out of the room and everybody is like, uh-uh. I can't dedicate my people to answering the customer support. My, you know, customer support's got to figure this stuff out on their own. The consultants and the, and the installation, they got to figure it out on their own. You all should be up to speed enough on the tool that you don't have to do this. And I could see the whole thing just sort of dissolving in front of my eyes. What I did was, and this is what I teach and advise as part of this type of project where you're dealing with stakeholders from multiple areas, you need to understand the concerns that each area has. And so I went and talked to the leaders in each silo and I said, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Why is this a concern for you? What is What specifically is it that you're thinking is going to go haywire on this? I didn't argue with them. I took their answers and I went back and thought about their answers. And I thought, okay, if we build in this, this, and this, which will actually make the whole thing better. And, we'll, and I went back and I said, okay, here's what I'm thinking we do this, will that respond to your concern and make it better? And then if we have checkpoints so that we can verify that, in fact, it is it is okay. You're not, you know, the, the problems that you see are not happening. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we could try that. As long as you come back and talk to us about it and make sure. Um, and I am very proud of that project because years after I left that company, um, I would run into people in town, you know, as one does. And they were like, you know, that was one of the best things that ever happened because we were able to build. It was all through a knowledge base and we were able to build real information that people could go back and look at without having to go ask and it just worked. And none of the problems that everybody was worried about actually came to pass because I talked to the stakeholders and solved the problems that they saw. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. It was a process. And if you follow that kind of process, you're going to have better results. But the point that I really emphasize is that communication is not just about, okay, we're going to make this change. Go do it. The communication is two-way. And that's why I've said that communication is not quite the right word. It has to be a dialogue. It has to be both ways. And it has to be, involve real listening as well as an understanding of what the change is, why it's being done, how it's being done. Um, 
but also to listen and understand what's going on for the people who are most impacted by it. Right. Now, how much extra time do you think you had to put in to go to those stakeholders and ask them, you know, what their concerns were and how you could, you know, get those resolved? That is a great question. And it's what I'm sure many people would have. And the answer is, if I hadn't done it, the thing would not have flown. And if you, I think many of us in technology know that the time you spend up front doing the planning is time saved on the back end when things go at least relatively according to plan. Nothing, of course. I mean, there's the famous Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Um, but if I had not taken that time, the project would not have been as good and it would have run into so much resistance and so much, no, we're not going to do that, that I really, I, I mean, we can't know, right? You can't go, I couldn't do an A-B test on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it would have happened. Mm. I really don't. Certainly right. not to the extent that it did. Right. All right. Well, I should probably take this time to do a little pimp show for you. GraceJudson.com. Okay, you. If you are watching the video, her website is up on the screen and it is just how it sounds. GraceJudson.com. Uh, solving the people problems that derail tech consulting projects. And I'm actually going to put in the show notes. Uh, you have a YouTube channel. So that if people want to go and uh, get little snippets here about some of the things that you teach, uh, I want to make mention of one of the series that I noticed when I was on there, perusing around, snooping, that <laughs> you actually put together a leadership series from A to Z. I did. Now, before we dive into what that series actually is, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question, what made you come up with the idea or think that it would be, it would be pretty cool to do a series from A to Z? And, and for people that, uh, I should probably put the website up is basically you did a single show with a word for leadership that started with the letter, starting mm -hmm. with A. With B, so twenty six mini series shows there. What what was the whole yeah. impetus for that? There, well, I mean, everybody does something A to Z, right? I mean, there's a whole, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> that's a I, lot. That's a I, lot. <laughs> I really, I have a really soft spot in my heart for managers who have just been promoted into from individual contribution, right? And the skills that we talked about this. Um, in terms of how we're all knee deep in the individual technical boots on the ground work, whatever that might be, whether it's hardware programming, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden we get promoted to lead the team that is doing that thing that we used to do. And we're basically, you know, patted on the back, shake your hand, high five, whatever it might be, congratulations, go forth and manage people. But it's a completely different skill set. I mean, it could not be more different. 
And yet very few companies, and I will say this over and over again, take the time. I do think we're seeing more of it. It seems like during the pandemic and post-pandemic now, um, we are seeing more companies recognize the vital role that that first line manager plays. And I just wanted to offer something that would give people little snips of ideas about what leadership qualities are and how to, how to develop them for themselves. I have one client who actually used those videos as part of a weekly managers, all hand, all managers, not all hands, but all managers meeting within their organization where every week they would watch one of whatever the next one was and then come back and discuss it in the meeting. Um, so there's a lot of way to use those. And I just, you know, I'm, if you have a YouTube channel, you got to feed it stuff. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So I've got the link uh, for that on the screen, and I'll have it in the show notes, uh, youtube.com slash Grace Judson. And there it is, Leadership A to Z. It's actually 27 because there's an introduction, but then one for each of the letters. Uh, and these are short things. A lot, Most of these are two to three minutes, so not a lot of you know time that you have to dedicate and you know a lot of the a lot of the letters and the words seem apropos a is for authentic uh b is for brave but i want to go down to one of those letters that you're always like how do you come up with a word for that <laughs> and you know i went to q and that was kind of understandable when i got there uh but the letter and word or the word that you came up for x Zenial. Zenial. Yes. First of all, how'd you, how'd you even find that word? Did you, did you, did you pull out the dictionary? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a word nerd as well as being a leadership geek. So, um, zenial means being hospitable, especially to strangers or people that you're not, you know, directly connected or acquainted with. Uh, and it seems appropriate for leadership because, I mean, especially this was I made this series pre-pandemic and pre the big DEI diversity, equity and inclusion push that we have seen, which is I mean, I think it's a it's a good thing. And I'm very sad to see some of the political pushback on it. But that's a whole other story for another time. Um, But I think it really is appropriate for a leader to recognize that you do need to be accepting and welcoming to people that you might not necessarily jive with, I'll say. It might not be somebody that you are going to go hang out with or, you know, invite over for dinner or whatever. Because when we're in a workplace, whether it's a client or it's somebody that we have to work with in in some way, they're not all going to be the people that we necessarily, again, want to hang out with. But as a leader, we still need to, you know, assuming they're performing their job in the appropriate ways, we still need to be able to welcome them from the standpoint of understanding who they are, helping them grow and motivating them to do, you know, to continue to learn and grow and so on. All right, so that was probably as long as the video that you put together. For there it. you go. I, I'm probably <laughs> I was more coherent on the video. 
so yeah, so I'm going to encourage everybody to uh, get more of Grace. Head over to that YouTube channel. There's there's a lot of good content there, Grace. You actually thank you. There's some stuff on there on how to deal with a lying employee. <laughs> so. Well, I've got a freebie on my website about the the five types of challenging uh, employees, and lying is one of them. Gossiping is another. All the, the gossiping stuff. one. Actually, the um, what's the one that gets the most views? Of course, I'm drawing a blank now that I'm trying to think of it. The gaslighting is another one that people really seem to be interested in. It looks like this gossiping is a well, – well, here we go. Managing – well, no, because the lying gets more, but there's managing a lazy employee. Yep. And the disrespectful employee is the one I get the most comments on. Oh. What? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> because I'm thinking lying and gossiping are probably the two biggest things, but disrespectful employee. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Hey, I'm not going to give away the, the you know, so, got to have some people, some secrets here. Yep. Got to have some. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Well, Grace, uh, let's see. We're, oh, we're, we're moving right along here. So uh, we are not going to have time for a Q and a, um, but I did ask the one and let mm-hmm. me see who's in the chat here. Thank you folks for hanging out and watching. I should probably give a nice little shout out to, uh, my good buddy, Eric for giving us a lead in from his all things MSP show. He was kind enough to throw our screenshot up for tonight. So we had a couple of people hop over from them from there. Uh, so thank you, Eric. Uh, I was going to talk about a little Facebook funny that I saw, but I will save that for another time. But what I do want to do is I'm going to try to do more of a thing where I give a shout out to people and groups that are doing a great thing here. So, Grace, if you'll indulge me just a little bit, I want to uh, put a link up here to a cruise that is being put together by our good buddy Scott that is the – administrator for the IT Business Owners Group, uh, one of the Facebook groups that I participate in. Their cruise is actually on. This is a cruise he's been trying to put together for a couple of years now. COVID, of course, ruined that. Uh, The cruise is on. It is happening this November 2023. It is going out of one of my favorite places, Port Canaveral, which is up by my hometown, and they are departing on Friday, November 10th, and it is a four-day cruise to the Bahamas on one of the Royal Caribbean ships. Royal Caribbean, the cruise that I did back in March, is fantastic cruise ship, by the way, uh, four days. And I believe that if you are a paying member of the IT big group, IT, IT bog. <laughs> wow. Uh, if you are a member, an actual member of that community, the cruise is free. So wow. I think that's right. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> I can't go. It's another weekend that I am already booked with stuff. So, but I do want to mention that and promote that for Scott. And it's not, there's no like, X number of tickets. It's a cruise ship. There's like 10,000 people going to be on that ship. So there will be plenty. As long as the cruise line itself doesn't sell out, there's still a spot for you. So November 10th, four day cruise to the Bahamas. 
out of Port Canaveral be a part of the IT Business Owners Group member cruise. That will be it. Uh, Let's see here. Well, normally, Grace, I would be playing the sound of an alligator. Because what sound do alligators make? Well, here you go. It's not that is not a friendly noise. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that's when you walk up unexpectedly on a gator and should not have. So, this is usually the Florida man or random question segment. Most of my guests are very familiar with this and would love to do a Florida man challenge, but. You stated ahead of time, no dice. So, yeah. <laughs> so we are going to do a random question. But before we do, I always have to share at least a story for my avid listeners because they always want to know what is happening with Florida Man. And the headline that you would have had to challenge is Florida Man Charged After Slapping Hot Coffee on a McDonald's drive through Employee. And it was over a penny. So a South Florida man was arrested after having a meltdown in a McDonald's drive through according to Miami Springs police. So could have been a DattoCon attendee. The incident stemmed from an argument over a few cents on a breakfast order. It was all caught on surveillance. As the employee handed the man a hot coffee, he slapped it away and sped off. So basically, he orders a sausage McMuffin with a round egg separately, and he orders a senior coffee. That's a clue. <laughs> but but he was not loving it. Uh, basically, uh, he got upset and slapped it. Uh, it was a hot uh, cup of coffee that hit the drive through attendant in the face, and on the rest of her arm, and we all know that if you burn somebody with a McDonald's coffee, it's worth millions. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, oh, uh, authorities found the man uh, and arrested him and booked into jail. He is facing a felony battery charge, and as of Tuesday morning, was being held at the correctional center on a five thousand dollar bond. Oof. Over a cup of coffee. Over a penny. A penny, yes. You know, that actually reminds me of back in my software development days um, when, you you know, you get called in the middle of the night when the production run has a problem. And I was in upstate New York, and I had to drive back because they called me that some the system was out of balance. I had to drive back in the middle of the night to the office, and I got there. And it was one penny out of balance. I nearly strangled the operator. <laughs> Listen, I've been there. I've worked at McDonald's, and you know, having to uh, having to cash out at the end of the night, making sure yep. you were you were oh, even. Yeah. That was fun. Yep. So, all right. So here is your random question, Grace. Uh oh. And oh. See, I already know the answer to this, I believe. Okay. We did not talk about it. But the question is, do you have any pets in your office? In my office at this exact moment? No. 
they are all out in the rest of the house. Okay. <laughs> but out in the house, there is a golden doodle and a cat that we call the adorable terrorist. Golden doodle. What's that? Golden doodle is a cross between a poodle and a golden retriever. Ah, okay. 65-pound dog is terrorized by the 9-pound cat. So that's a pretty... It's a pretty good sized dog. Yeah. All right. And then the. Uh, she's, she's a good dog. And then the terrorist cat. The, his name is Flicker, but he is not a fan of anything on four legs. And so they. Yeah. All right. Bonnie would love to play with the cat, but the cat would not love to play with the dog. That was now, an easy question here. I was thinking it was going to be something hard. See, I, it's not it's not a bad deal. No. I mean, as I go through the questions, I could have asked you, what's the best TV show of all time? Oh, I don't do bests because it's all, it's, there's too many. I mean, you could have a best TV show that you watch when you're feeling really, you know, down in the dumps, or you could have one that you watch when you want some excitement or, but actually I would probably say Doctor Who. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're right. So there's different genres and different times for instance you know i would have asked the question probably something like what's the what's the tv show that is your go-to when you get home from work like when you when you just there crash isn't. on the couch there isn't nope that's when i pick up my kindle and read a book oh okay i'm a reader it's the tv i'm gonna go to bed no do you have a tv <laughs> yes, but it is not in the bedroom. And actually, we really have the television more for my husband than for me. For many, many years before I got married, I didn't watch. Is he a sports guy? Some. He's an Eagles fan. No. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, am I now persona non grata here? <laughs> no, nah, the Eagles are okay. I have a fellow podcaster that is all about the Eagles. So, yeah. Well, Grace, I want to say thank you for coming and hanging out with me on the show. My and was uh, fun. doing the two-parter. I yeah. appreciate that was, so much. It was fun, and thank you for having me do a two-parter. Absolutely. Uh, so, again, and I folks, hope some of the ideas I, I – offered were are helpful for people. I think so. I think so. I think the, like I said, I'll I'll probably get an update on that question uh, Mm -hmm. after the facts. I'll send that that to you when I get it. Sure. Uh, But for folks uh, that want to go and find out more, of course, gracejudson.com and of course the youtube.com slash gracejudson. Go there and get a lot of snippets on leadership and change management and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And I do answer comments. Anybody has a question or a comment on the, on the YouTube, uh, I, I come back and answer comments all the time. Okay. Or LinkedIn for that matter. All right. Let me do a quick show since I did not do a full sponsor segment here. Thank you, of course, to our presenting sponsor, NetAlly, our show sponsor, Computers Done Right, and Instant House Call. The links are on the webpage. Please go there, folks, and support our sponsors. You can also support the show and click on Donate or what I would prefer, shop at the Amazon store, buy the books that we've referenced, 
and they don't cost you any more, but a percentage or two comes back to help support the show and do more things like this. I do not know if I'll be doing a show next week. I will be honest. I had that pegged as another schedule project. So I don't have a guest set for that. So for those of you, normally I would say be back here, same time, same channel, but I might not be. So just to give you a heads up, but we will obviously have more shows here in the future, or you can head over to itbusinesspodcast.com, catch up on some shows you missed, and check out the audio shows that don't show up here. But that's going to do it, folks. I want to say thank you on behalf of my guest tonight, Grace. We thank you. Thank you. We'll see you soon. And until then, holla. Thank you.